This is Grounded, a podcast from Michigan Sugar Company. Grounded is intended to explore our history, the tradition that's made us great, and the ideas to drive us into the future. Grounded is hosted by Jim Ruhlman, Michigan Sugar Company Executive Vice President. And now, here's Jim Ruhlman. Welcome to Grounded. We have with us today Mr. Dennis Bisher and Mr. Corey Guza. Both gentlemen play key roles in Michigan Sugar Company's Ag Department, and we thought we'd take an opportunity to get to know them a little bit better through today's talk. Gentlemen, thanks for coming. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Corey, let's start with you. Can you tell the audience about your upbringing and where you first got introduced to farming? Yeah, so I grew up on a small farm, a family farm in Verona Rapson area. And so some of my first uh, memories as a, as a young child are looking at sugar beet fields and riding in the sugar beet truck and spending time around sugar beets. And so that's where I first grew up on the farm and spent a lot of time with beets. And so it's been an interesting crop for me. Were there other crops that you grew? Did you have livestock that you attended to? What were some of your childhood memories growing up on the farm? Yeah, so we were a small family farm, diversified farm. We had dairy, so a small dairy. They had the forages, alfalfa, corn, dry beans, sugar beets in addition to sugar beets. So it was a small farm that had a lot of diversity in it. So we spent a lot of time early mornings, late nights, harvesting hay, feeding the cows, taking care of business all the way through high school and until I went to college. Dennis, how about you? Can you share a little bit about yourself? So yeah, I grew up on the uh, eastern side of Huron County near Ruth. Actually, not real far from Cory, probably 15, 20 miles from Cory. I did not grow up on a farm, although my grandparents were both farmers. They were retired from the time I can remember them. My dad worked at a local ag retail facility, so our family did have roots to agriculture. I actually had my first real probably farm experience was actually hoeing sugar beets okay. uh, for a, a local farmer. And then I really got more involved with agriculture when I started on my Uncle Melvin's farm when I was 15 years old. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit, Dennis? I mean, when you were Working with your Uncle Melvin, were you, what parts of the sugar beet production were you involved with? So I started, like I said, when I was 15 years old, and actually my first summer I picked stones almost okay. every day. So amazingly. <laughs> I think every farm kid gets the opportunity to pick stones. Amazingly, <laughs> I went back the next year for more. <laughs> so that's how I started. I continued, you know, the longer I was there, every summer I probably got a little more responsibility up to driving tractors. I spent a lot of time cultivating sugar beets. Okay. At that time, that was the main form of weed control. So we'd make multiple trips across the field during the year with the cultivator. And that's really how I got involved was cultivating uh, sugar beets. Maybe that experience drove you to a possible education and a career in agriculture? Yeah, actually. So as I graduated uh, high school, I knew I wanted to go to college. I really, at that time, I really didn't know what for. I was leaning towards mathematics, maybe being a math teacher, but really wasn't quite sure. And actually, Melvin suggested to me that, hey, maybe you want to go to college for crop and soil science. I knew I was interested in agriculture. I never really thought of it as a career. Yeah. But after thinking it over for a while, I said, yeah, why not? So I actually went to Saginaw Valley first to get some of my basic classes. Then I transferred to Michigan State where I got my uh, bachelor's degree in crop and soil science. How about you, Corey? Was was the driving force the same for you? Had you planned on going into agriculture as a, as a younger child in terms of your education? Or did that just how did that fall into place for you? Yeah, so from uh, from similar to Dennis, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I knew I had an interest in agriculture. Actually, one of my interests was 
farming or maybe even being a farmer. After I got into MSU, so I started right out at MSU and really, really enjoyed ag classes. So my mom really wanted me to do computer science and tried that out for a while, but found out that agronomy was really my passion. So I enjoyed both agronomy and agribusiness. I was kind of could dual major either way. I could have graduated with agribusiness or agronomy, but I enjoyed the science a little bit better. So I went that direction to finish out my bachelor's degree and then went on for my master's and doctorate. Both of you have worked at ag-related companies outside of Michigan Sugar Company. Corey, can you share some of the experiences outside of Michigan Sugar that gave you valuable tools for working here? Yeah, so over the years, some things I've had an opportunity to focus on and work with a lot of great people uh, throughout the industry. And so a couple of things that I've liked to focus on or have been interested in is technology and in ways to basically advance or enhance the opportunity for growers on the farm. And so I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of great people who have a lot of great experience along with technology as well as ways to help growers and to bring some of those things in. So working with things like satellite imagery, finding new ways to bring that type of information to growers has been one thing that's been a lot of fun. Also had the opportunity to work with a lot of people who have some cutting edge research and so They've really spent a lot of time researching and developing products and to have a chance to test those and see how they fit for growers. So there was a lot of good learning opportunities for me to improve my skill set and bring some new ideas and thoughts to me. Dennis, what about you? I, I know you've worked for some agribusiness in the area, and maybe you can share with us some of the insights and experiences that you gained there. Yeah, so after I started at the local ag retailer, I worked with numerous growers on all the aspects of their crop production. So, and it was with multiple crops, corn, soybeans, dry beans, alfalfa, oats, and of course, sugar beets. And it was helping them choose varieties and recommend varieties, their fertilizer recommendations, their herbicide programs, their fungicide programs, basically all aspects of taking care of the crop from start to finish. I worked with growers. And I think that's an important thing that you mentioned there, Dennis, is understanding the diversity of crops. I think sometimes at Michigan Sugar, people think we only think about sugar beets, which we do for the most part. But it's really thinking about all the crops and the whole system for the grower that's important. And so that knowledge across uh, crops, I think, is a good thing to have. So let's talk about your, your work here at Michigan Sugar Company. Dennis, talk to me about what drew you here and what did you see in Michigan Sugar that made you want to come? So as I mentioned before, it, really for me, my focus has always been, I, shouldn't, I don't know if it's my focus or I've always been drawn to sugar beets. That seems like the crop that always got my most attention, the one I put my most effort into. So it seemed like a natural fit to come to the company where you're going to be focused on sugar beets. At the same time, I had some pretty good relationships with a bunch of growers. And through this role, I was able to keep those relationships intact. And that was important to me as well, as well as being able to force some new relationships and meet some new growers and help with their production practices on their farm. And then really the final thing was, is, you know, when you told me your vision, Jim, for the how you wanted the egg department to be and what you thought we should do and what our focus should be, and that's really what made me decide to make the final decision to come here. Thank you. Corey, you've served two tours of duty here. What kind of made you want to come back? I, I, you were here, and then you, 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 got some, you gained some really good experience at, at other job, another job or other jobs. What was the drawback here? Yeah, um, my passion has been sugar beets for a long time. And, you know, I really felt there's a great opportunity in the beet industry. And so to look at 
where we can take Michigan Sugar to the future um, is pretty exciting. I think there's a lot of opportunity in sugar beets and the sugar beet industry. And just really excited about that opportunity to keep pushing that forward. Again, your vision, Jim, to kind of bring us into a stronger agronomy program and stronger focus, that was really exciting for me. But also the opportunities here in general at Michigan Sugar are wonderful and you know, I really enjoy the growers too. There's a great group of growers to work with and they're very progressive and they really want to do improve their production. And so it's exciting to work with that. Plus the type of research, there's a lot of research that we can do to improve the crop and move things forward. So to be able to work on that and push that forward is, is pretty exciting to me. All right. Thank you. Let's talk about your jobs specifically here at Michigan Sugar now. Dennis, you began your career here as an agronomist and now as a director of agronomy. Both roles have a lot of interaction with growers. What is the most challenging about that and what's the most rewarding? So I tell you what is challenging is that there's working with a lot of different growers and although they start all start the same with seed and end up with a harvested crop, how they get there from seed to the finished product is different for every person. So they maybe do things a little different from one to the other. And not that there's anything wrong with that. That's actually a great thing. But it's really trying to figure out how certain agronomic practices that are important and that we want the majority of the growers implementing how that each individual can work that into their specific situation. Corey, through your role as director of agronomy and now the added role of director of research, you two have personal interactions with growers. And when you look at from an agronomy standpoint or a research standpoint, what makes it most challenging and what makes it most rewarding for you? Yeah, the challenging part is is uh, there's a lot of diversity in our growers and, and their needs. And so trying to meet all those needs can be a challenge. It's not necessarily just agronomic needs. It's also needs for their farms in general. And so trying to make sure they get what they need and the diversity of needs within the group yeah, can be a bit of a challenge. But it's also uh, really exciting, though, to look at how to meet those needs and the opportunities. Again, there's endless possibilities, in my opinion, with the sugar beet industry, you know, from beet storage to researching new ways that we can improve production, improve profitability, to making things more efficient. And the return on the investment on all that research is huge. So small changes can make a big difference to both Michigan Sugar's profitability as well as the growers. And so trying to uncover those opportunities is really exciting and really fun. Yeah, I think it's really a, kind of a unique thing that we can, by just small little tidbits of information that we can give a grower from seed selection to what herbicides they should be using and their fungicide programs and maybe even some foliar feeds or some fertilizer recommendations, how those little things can kind of put them over the edge and maybe give them a little better crop than they would have had if they didn't use some of those practices. As you guys lead your respective areas, what do you see different in the years to come compared to what we see today? Corey, let's get your perspective from a research standpoint. Maybe talk about some of the new source varieties. What other things are you seeing in the future that are different than what they are today? Yeah, so I think generally in the sugar beet industry, we're always chasing the latest problem. It seems like beets have an issue that pop up, and it's been that way historically, even since we started growing beets. Whether you talk about root aphids or rhizoctonia or nematodes or weed control and now the latest has been leaf spot looking at all those different challenges there's always a hot button or something we have to solve now what's exciting though with the new genetics we have and for example the new source varieties that we have coming with more tolerance to leaf spot in addition to more leaf spot tolerance in general from all companies is once we get that under better control 
Now we can start focusing on production, or back on production, I should say. So we can focus on the 3,300. How do we get more RWST? How do we improve that profitability? So that's, I think, really exciting going forward is, you know, maybe we can get to a point where we can research agronomic practices that can bring more, you know, sugar per ton, sugar per acre to our cooperative instead of always chasing the hot issue. And there will be hot issues that pop up and we'll be ready to handle them. But just really excited about the opportunity to see how can we improve our production and our efficiency. Dennis, what about you? How do you see agronomic practices changing maybe today versus what you might see in the future? I think if you look specifically at the new source or Cospera tolerance, the one comment I get from growers most often is, I'm tired of spraying. I don't want to spray this many times. What can I do to reduce the number of applications? And I really think that that our new genetic tolerance that's potentially coming, as long as it has all the other traits we need, is really going to help reduce our number of fungicide applications across the field while still providing good disease control and actually reducing the risk to both the grower and to Michigan Sugar of maybe not producing as much sugar per acre. The next question I have for both of you is really about relationships. When I look at your positions and I look at the connections you need to make with growers, with employees, with agribusiness, with seed companies, you're in a position where you kind of need to make all of that work together. I guess my question is, how do you approach that? How do you find that common ground with everyone in order to keep everybody moving in the right direction? I guess for me, the biggest thing for building a relationship, regardless of who it is, is trust. Whether it's a grower, seed company, agribusiness, a chemical representative, for me it's trust. They have to trust me, and I have to trust them. Do I always have the right answers? No. Do I always know the answer? No. But at the same time, I hope people realize that Any answer I'm giving them or a recommendation is what I think is right at the moment. So for me, that's probably the biggest thing is to build trust, and that just takes time. You don't just wake up one day with a trust from the grower, a trust from a coworker, or a trust from somebody else involved in the egg economy. So that's my thing, trust. Corey, do you want to elaborate or weigh in on that one? Yeah, from my perspective, um, when we're looking at relationships, I think there's kind of two things, in my opinion, that Michigan Sugar, or two roles Michigan Sugar plays in the agribusiness community and with our growers. I think there's a message that we try to send and kind of relate this to messaging. Sometimes there's a message we have to send in general. So I think growers want and need to hear a general message and have a general direction in which they want to go. And I think that's a broad, broad stroke that touches a lot of people. So, you know, we give a, you know, sort of an overall direction in which we think the the agribusiness or the sugar beet industry from an agricultural standpoint needs to go. And that helps to touch a lot of different people. So agribusinesses, seed companies, growers can go, okay, this is where Michigan Sugar wants to be or wants to head. And then I think then there's the personal and the uh, on-farm, I call it, relationship where we actually make decisions based on that individual farm, that individual field, and try to help move things forward. So when you're connecting there, it's important on both sides because sometimes there's a big message that needs to be sent. But yet at the same time, it's important to understand each of those uh, diversified growers' needs. And like Dennis mentioned earlier, there are many ways growers like to do business. They like to grow their sugar beets. And it's us needing to understand that and helping and walk with them in their system to make it work. And I think that's a big, big part of the connection and trying to understand that. I think so too. Yeah, to Corey's point, you know, so I use this example a lot that I could meet with 10 growers, let's just say, and go over their 
leaf spot control program for the year. And all 10 of those growers could walk away with a different program. There could be different products at a different timing. Maybe the adjuvant's different. But at the same time, there are some basic philosophies that are going to be the same between all those growers. We're going to start early. We're going to use the right tips with the right pressure. And we're going to be on a short interval. And we're going to start and we're going to keep the course for the season. But there's some other things in between that are different from each grower to grower. And that's okay. Not everybody has to do the same thing. So let's talk about this year's crop. What are you seeing in the east, in the central Dennis, where we seem to be off to a great start? Seems to be a little bit on the cooler side, but uh, we've got seeds in the ground, and I'm interested to hear what you've seen in the east and the central. So in the east and the central, and especially in the central, we were able to get a decent amount of acres planted in March, mid-March, and later March. Fortunately, some of those fields went through some tough conditions. We had some areas with some pretty heavy rain in a short period of time that caused some crusting issues. We also started to see some seedling disease on those earlier planted March fields. And then we, as you had mentioned, we had some recent last week and the last couple nights have been uh, pretty cold, some pretty dipped down into the low 20s in a lot of places. And unfortunately, that combination of crusting, seedling disease, and now the cold weather has caused some replanting to occur. So for the rest of those acres, we were able to get them planted here recently. I'd say we're almost completed. There's still some planting going on, but we're nearing, we're over 90% planted at this point. Uh, I feel really confident about those acres. They went into the field in good conditions. Soil conditions were great. Timing of the season were still early. And even those replanted acres, they're getting replanted now or just got replanted. That's still early. Other guys were just finishing up for the first time. So we're able to get replanted early. A lot of times when we replant, that may not happen until mid or late May. So I think right now we're set up for uh, possibly for some really good yields and we have a lot of potential going into this growing season. Corey, what are you seeing in the West? Yeah, in the West District, we're off to one of the better starts for the West District in a long time. It seems like in the West, you always get some tough weather that comes in the spring, excess rain or some different things that cause uh, issues with the soil to dry out. And so sometimes it gets them off to a little later start. But this year, they're off to one of their best starts in a long time. We have some growers planting as early as they ever had. And, and so I'm pretty excited about the opportunities in the West District from that perspective. So sitting here today on April 21st, we've got 133,000 acres in the ground of our almost 163,000 acres contracted. And that's really more acres that we've had in the ground at this time in recent history. And we're also planting 100% of our acreage this year. So when the two of you look at the potential that's in the ground right now, and we want to keep that potential. What kind of thoughts go through your minds in terms of nurturing this crop along? How do we best maximize the crop in the ground that's in the ground now until we start harvest? I'll open it up for suggestions there. Well, from my perspective, it's really exciting. I mean, our potential on this crop has been the highest in a long time. So to have this many acres in that early puts us in a great position. So, yeah, like Dennis mentioned, there's there's some fields getting replanted, and it's kind of sad, but yet they're in the replants are in pretty good shape, so we have a lot, as much opportunity as ever. But I think looking forward, a couple key things are going to make sure we manage that crop well. This is a big year for leaf spot. We have some talent varieties we've had in a long time, but yet we have to keep our foot on the gas and keep spraying. So that'll be a big, big thing to make sure we have a good disease-free year this year. And sugar. Getting that sugar content is going to be a big driver and making keeping those plants healthy. Yeah, as I look at our, first of all, our genetic potential this year, first from a yield standpoint, I think the varieties that are getting planted have more genetic potential than we've had in the last couple of years, but still offer a better leaf spot 
tolerance than we've had in the past as well. So just from a seed standpoint, I think we've started off in a better position than maybe we have recently. Also, I would say when it comes to leaf spot control programs, we got a pretty good handle on what should be done. We know the strategy, what we should do to be successful. The one thing that concerns me a little bit, you know, we came off of 2019. Overall, we had relatively good leaf spot control. Very minimal acres were had an economic impact from leaf spot. So I'm a little concerned that growers may decide to back off their sprays a little bit and maybe not make it quite as much of a priority as they had in years past. But it's extremely important that we continue to control leaf spot this year in order to be successful. Is there any correlation between how soon the crop gets in the ground to when leaf spot spraying might start? Is it more weather driven or is it also the maturity of the plant or the size of the plant and the leaves on the plant? Does that have a factor also of of when you might start spraying for leaf spot? Yeah, so weather can play a factor in that for sure. I mean, the longer the beets in the ground, or there's kind of a discussion we've had with Linda Hansen in the past is sugar beets become more susceptible to leaf spot with age. So while it's not a hard and fast rule, leaf sugar beets that reach the 12 leaf stage sooner generally have more opportunity to get disease. So yeah, potentially with earlier planting, that could definitely have an impact on having more disease potential because just the sugar beet's bigger. But it also weather plays a big factor in it, so it's been cooler weather too. So, you know, how does that all match up? Those are all factors. So, well, it's a risk or an opportunity. Again, I think we have good plans in place for that. We generally manage beets thinking about uh, mid to early April planting is kind of how we look at things. And then, but that's what the season brings. That's part of our job too, is sometimes (laughs) things happen, you know, we watch and we, we monitor and we look at things and we adjust. So that's when Dennis talks about spray plans. We put a spray plan together. We say, well, yeah, depending on when you plant or where the crop looks, maybe your first applications the last week in June. Well, maybe you look at moving that first application up, right? So those are all things, that's a little bit of the art. I mean, sometimes agronomy is both art and science. <laughs> sure. You know, we have to weigh out both of those factors sometimes and handle what comes at us with the season. We have to be prepared, and but at the same time, I'll be ready to adjust. So. Okay. Yeah, I would, I would follow along with that. I would say in general, we'll tell guys that, you know, plan on that first fungicide application happening June 20-something, maybe it's the 25th, but sometime in that 20-something of June. I think last year was a pretty good example how we adjust that date that we plan on. So last year we saw that we had some beets in really early in March, and then but a lot of beets went in in May. So those March planted beets, we actually started earlier than June 25th. And those later planted beets in a lot of cases didn't get started till maybe the July 1st. So yeah, we will flex that date a little bit, both on how the crop is progressing and planting date. Right now I would say I don't see us moving the first fungicide application back at all and potentially it could get moved forward. Okay, thank you. Switching gears a little bit, we have a corporate goal of 30 tons per acre and a 300 RWST. Dennis, do you want to maybe give us your opinion on, one, what makes that challenging yet at the same time achievable? What, what types of things need to happen in order for us to get there? So if you break that out into the two goals, because really it's two different goals, I'll even know it's one goal together. So 30 ton per acre, I think that's relatively easy to achieve. We've had years near around that in the past. Heck, this year we could hit 30 ton or break 30 ton just by planting date alone. And there's too much of the growing season to know, but I think the 30 ton is can be relatively easy to achieve. What's going to be more difficult is the 300 RWST. 
it's relatively easy to influence yield in tons per acre. And RWST, you can, you can have a little more difficult time influencing that. To get there, it's going to take some more probably more precise nitrogen management. Choosing some varieties, or there's probably going to have to be more stress on varieties with higher RWST to start with. And it's going to take, to reach both 30 ton and 300 RWST, it's going to take really good leaf spot control. We can't have 10, 20, even 30% of our acres getting burned down or having economic damage because of leaf spot. If that happens, we'll never reach either one of those goals. Thank you, Dennis. I think we're going to wrap it up with that. With the guidance of both you, Corey, and Dennis, I feel confident that we can reach our 3,300 goal. Your talents and your insight to the Michigan beet industry is certainly appreciated by me and by those that you lead and those that you give consulting advice to. So I want to thank you both for coming and uh, good luck with our growing season. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, Jim. This has been Grounded. If you'd like to hear an episode on a specific topic, please email your ideas to grounded at michigansugar.com. Thanks for listening and check back soon for another edition of Grounded. Grounded.